This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. You're now listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan. People love their pets, but do they love them enough to buy pet insurance? That's certainly something that Oyen is hoping for. Back in 2021, the digital pet insurance player said it was aiming to insure 100,000 pets in Southeast Asia within three years, fueled by its seed funding round of around 1.7 million ringgit. Now, 100,000 is a big number. So how far is Oyen from achieving that goal? Today on Open for Business, I'll be digging into this, the viability of this business model and whether Oyen will be looking to leverage its brand beyond pet insurance. Helping me with this, I'm speaking with Oyen's co-founders, Kevin Hong and Michelle Chin. Kevin is Oyen's CEO, while Michelle is the Chief Operating Officer. To the both of you, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So I'd like to start this conversation on with a look at the both of you, right? Because founders are essential to startup success, right? You either make or break the business. It's one way or the other. And even more important when you have a co-founder, because finding a co-founder is essentially like not just getting married. It's like getting married and having a kid at the same time. The kid being the business and the employees in that business. Um, So it's a serious commitment. That's the point I'm trying to get at here. How did you two uh, find each other? Because I think, Kevin, you started the business first, right? So how did you two become co-founders in Oyan? Sure, I'm happy to share our story. Um, So Michelle and I met sometime, maybe a year or two before COVID. Uh, In fact, we were introduced by a friend. um, And uh, right at the start of COVID, we actually got together as partners. Ah, so, right. So not just co-founders, but also love partners basically here. I can't believe we're talking about this on air, but it's part of the story. So uh, we got together right before COVID started. And uh, I had just recently moved back from Singapore, um, where I spent uh, the last eight years in, in building technology companies there. Uh, and I decided to come back because uh, of my family business. So I think within that year, um, I was working in the insurance industry as well. And I was just looking at starting something on the side. Um, that was really when, uh, I, when I needed help. And Michelle has her expertise in marketing and growth in product and technology. So it was just, uh, you know, can you help me with this? And <laughs> she just started out as a you know, consultant doing once, uh, once a week. And then over time, it just uh, became very obvious to me and the both of us that we have very complementary skills. Uh, and uh, that was when she decided to jump on board. So, Kevin, you are more on the insurance side, the business side of things. Um, from what I've heard there, Michelle, you brought in the marketing and the growth side of things. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. So, life before Oyen, <laughs> um, I was actually, right before Oyen, uh, I was head of growth at a small innovation team um, called DGX as part of um, the innovation arm of Telecommunications, which doesn't exist anymore today. Um, and actually, before that even, I was a product manager there. So I've actually worked through multiple different roles in the same company. But because it was an innovation-forward company, so I've got to build multiple businesses there, uh, mostly in B2B SaaS, but also had a little stint uh, running Malaysia's first e-wallet. Hmm. That's no longer here. Oh, Vcash. Vcash, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was the founding team. There was only five of us doing that for a year. Um, so some little experience in fintech as well. Right. So both of you have had experience in the space, right? Different kinds of experience here, but the common denominator seems to be tech. Is that right? That's right. And that's pretty much what Oyen is, right? It's a tech platform. Uh, right now, you're starting with insurance. We'll get into the growth story and other things in a little bit. You talked about a little bit, you wanted to start a, a side business. Now, obviously, your expertise are in the insurance space, considering the background. Um, 
Why start Oyander? Why pet insurance? You know, um, when I was building for tech industry, tech businesses uh, in in Singapore, uh, you know, I was exposed to great brands. I was I was with Airbnb for five years. Uh, later on, I worked with Homage, uh, with, uh, which is a elderly care caregiving company. I think I had the benefit of seeing how businesses are built uh, and how tech can be the enablement for businesses. So. Uh, the other background story is that my family runs a uh, insurance agency, and they've been doing it for 40 years. Right. Uh, so my late father had started a business in the 80s. So if you think about insurance agency in the 80s, it's uh, probably a bit of a wild, wild west back then, right? <laughs> um, but he he didn't build a life insurance agency. He built a general insurance agency, which is different, right? And and that involves helping businesses getting insurance, right? Um, so uh, and I, I've always been exposed to it. Since I was a kid, my, my, both my parents will tell me, think about risk management, you know, <laughs> or like insurance is the best thing. You, know, you should tell your friends to get insurance. Um, so, but I was, I was, I felt that I had to get away from it. Uh, and that's why I spent eight years away from insurance. Mm-hmm. But eventually the calling just, uh, you know, it, it came back to me uh, and I decided to give this industry a, a try. And uh, what I learned that like, you know, insurance is a, it's a, thousand-year-old industry. It, it's existed for many, many you know, centuries. Um, and uh, the tool of insurance can really, really help communities. I mean, the earlier insurance was to help ship owners, um, you know, and Family. farmers. And to me, I felt like there was a huge opportunity in insurance and especially to digitalize it. So uh, I, I, I was just learning. I spent a year and during lockdown just doing my papers, talking to my team. Uh, and that was really when uh, I came across this opportunity with pets. I realized that pet insurance has, in fact, existed in Malaysia since 2010, but it, it didn't really go anywhere. So I was very curious. I was wondering to myself, like, what's going on here? And and a friend of ours actually uh, ha- has a cat who had a kidney disease and had to pay 2,000 ringgit in their vet bills. And these are recurring vet bills, right? Oh, man. When you have a chronic kidney disease, it doesn't just go away. So being the insurance person to my friends, they just <laughs> asked me, like, why can't you just make pet insurance? They have it in all these different countries. Why doesn't it exist in Malaysia? And being the curious entrepreneurs we are, we just had to dig deep. So, I mean, we found out a couple of things about pet insurance that um, the reason why they weren't successful is like, imagine the first hundred life insurance policies that were sold. Can you believe the person who is selling you life insurance (laughs) when you never knew what life insurance is? That's exactly what we were going through. And the problem was trust. No one was able to build a trusted brand. And we all know how people feel about insurance. No one really trusts the insurance companies, uh, or at least the, the modern consumers don't really look at them the same way as they do Spotify, Netflix, Airbnb, you know, these brands anymore. So to us, it was an opportunity to create a brand to help pet owners. And we ourselves also uh, got a cat during the pandemic. And we know the pain. Um, uh, and, and that's really where OEN was born. It's fascinating because... Um you obviously were immersed in the insurance industry growing up. Uh, you left, you went into tech, and then you're kind of merging those two stories together. Did you see any data to support your decision to start this up? Sure. So uh, you have to remember the timeline of when we started the business. It was during the pandemic. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, you can ask yourself, when did you get your pet? But we all know that during the pandemic, we were all just trapped at home uh, and, uh, you know, needing companionship, right? So if you look at some data, uh, there has been a rise in uh, uh, pet ownership during the pandemic. In fact, like 
uh, I think one out of five new pet owners, and this is a US data, uh, uh, got, had gotten their pets during the pandemic period. And also a lot of these new pet owners, I believe something like 60-70% of new pet owners are millennials or Gen Z, people between the ages of 18 to 30 years old. So it's a very interesting demography for us because these people are no longer just thinking about having uh, family or having children. They're thinking about having their pets, right? <laughs> Do you want to say something? <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, and so, there's a common word called pet humanization. That okay, is correct. So people really treating their pets like humans. And I think another trend that showed up during the pandemic was prices of getting a pet increased or skyrocketed mm. insanely. Like getting a Samoyed in Singapore was like $20,000. Well, wow. that's right. And uh, when you look at how much people are spending these days on pets, uh, I think there are data in the US that shows that um, uh, each pet owner spends something like $8,000 on their pet. And for their kids, they spend around 12000 So that amount, it's, it's getting close to what you would normally spend for a baby, right? Um, and so that, that, that trend really, uh, really motivated us to look deeper into this. And, and when you look at the vet side of things, it's also very interesting because uh, you know, we all always talk about medical doctors and how many people are becoming medical doctors, but people are not realizing that there is a shortage of veterinarians in Malaysia. Mm. Um, and there are only two schools in Malaysia that are currently providing, uh, you know, education, professional education for vets. And there's just not enough people applying to be vets. But then the trend of people owning pets are way surpassing the amount of uh, vets to attend these sick pets. So what that means is then cost of vets will just go up. It's just a simple demand and supply. So uh, people are just coming to us saying, I'm shocked by my vet bills, right? But to all these vets, they have to invest in their equipments, they have to invest in their staff, their medication, and these are costs to their business. They're not running a charity. They have to run a business to, to be sustainable. So uh, uh, effectively for insurance, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to increase the, the funding that goes into a certain industry, and in this case, for pet care. So uh, we, are in, we are essentially... Uh, forcing people to think about the worst case to put in the money, right? And the pool of funds will then be used to pay out for people who had an unfortunate event, whether it's an accident or whether it's in sick, uh, sickness. And that also gave us a green light to, to, to look into pet insurance. I mean, to me, the biggest uh, uh, signal was when we found out that uh, some vets are even in debt because when people go to the vet, they can't afford it or they don't expect the cost to be high. Some, some, some vets who are too compassionate will just foot the bill. And then what happens then is that their business will be in debt, right? So, and, and, it, and it's tragic if that happens that way. And, and to us, it's just a lack of education in pet care. People need to start realizing that owning a pet is not, a, fun. not a short-term commitment, it's a long-term commitment. And that's what we're here for. Up next, how far is Oyen from their goal of insuring 100,000 pets? Well, stick around to find out. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. You're now listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan. This morning, I'm speaking with co-founders of pet insurance platform Oyen, CEO Kevin Hong and COO Michelle Chin. Earlier, we discussed some of the basics, including both their backgrounds and why they've gone into pet insurance. Now, let's get into the products. At present, Oyen has three medical plans ranging from 3,500 ringgit a year to 8,000 ringgit a year in annual limits and more recently introduced three preventive treatment packages. Tell us about how you design these products 
And how did you decide on the pricing structure, the features, and of course, the annual limits? I'm sure these weren't arbitrary picked out of thin air. Yeah, so it was a process that we had both with our insurance company, which is the underwriter, as well as talking to customers. I think a lot of times, because insurance has become such a big industry that they kind of forget about the people who are benefiting <laughs> from it, which is talking to the customers. So actually, even before we went to negotiate like the pricing and the limits with the insurance company, we spoke to pet owners. So we found a list of all our friends who have pets, went to them and then just asked them about their experience owning a pet, if they've had to visit the vet, what were the costs. Um, and we used these information to go back to look at MSIG's existing plans because they do have an existing pet insurance product um, with lower limits. And we then edited what that looked like. So I think their plans are like, what, 2,000, 3,000, 5, and 5,000, but they had a lot of other ancillary benefits, which when we spoke to pet owners, thought that they were not important. For example, advertising costs when your pet gets lost. You don't really need to use that. Um, that probably only hopefully doesn't ever happen, but maybe happens once in your lifetime. But vet medical bills are important because your pet can fall sick multiple times a year. And that's why we decided to remove these other benefits and then increase the medical limit. And we spoke to the users back again about what they thought about it and they thought it was great. So that's how we came up with the plans. How do we use and use the existing plans with MSIG, not make too many changes or else they'll have to go back to their um, actuary, their underwriters, their pricing team to change everything for us. So how do we move fast and at the same time adhere to what our customers wanted? Uh, but going forward, though, are you guys looking at more you know, ground-up products, co-creating products from the ground up with MSIG or other insurance partners in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is to always look at what are the market need at that time. Um, and, you know, we always have to think about uh, the size of the market, uh, educating the users about the market. The thing about building something that is from the bottom up or creating a new market is always about speed, right? Uh, and for us as startups, we want to make sure that we're, we remain agile. We don't want to spend like six to 12 months designing a product. By then, the pattern has shifted, mm. behavior has shifted. Uh, and there's so many opportunities out there that are low-hanging fruits for us, right? Like the decision to work with uh, our current insurance partner is also because they have, a, have an existing product. So they understood the, the market, but just didn't know how to execute it uh, as well as we have. Uh, so we think there are many other products out there that we want to explore, um, but we're always open to more ground-up products if the numbers make sense. Let's pivot the conversation over the growth, uh, looking ahead. Uh, and let's start that by looking at the customer acquisition strategy, because any business needs a good uh, strategy to acquire customers. Uh, but this becomes even more important, I feel, when we're talking about a business that is digital, right? You're trying to sell over a digital platform here. Um, I think this was back in 2021, I think when you first started, uh, it was in a lot of reports, it was stated that OEN was aiming for 100,000 100, pets insured in Southeast Asia within three years, uh, with half expected to come from Malaysia. It's now 2023, so it's been about 18 months since then. Uh, where is OEN today on that front? Yeah, I think we can start by talking about the first 100 customers. Um, to me, those, those customers are your most important customers. Uh, of course, this is a this is a startup uh, phrase of it's better to have a hundred people <laughs> who really love you than I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times than ten thousand customers are kind of like you. But this is very very true for us, and we really stuck by it. Um, what you need to understand here is that starting an insurance business from start is not easy because you have to build trust, 
And remember when we launched our business, it was, it was during the pandemic. So uh, how did we build trust with our first 100 customers and then scale from there, right? I think it was a combination, and this was a lot of it was from Michelle. Uh, it was a combination of uh, digital marketing, making sure that we make the right content, um, but at, at the same time also adding the personal touch. We, uh, we told ourselves that we want to wow our first 100 customers, and Michelle and I were literally packing up gift box uh, with handwritten notes, with uh, you know dog, dog and cat treats uh, for, our, for our customers. And uh, the reason why we do these things that are tangible is because insurance is something that uh, is just a paper. Like we're literally selling a promise. There is no product. And people, people hope to not use it. Like <laughs> what other products you have where people buy and hope not to use it? Correct. It's only insurance. Um, so yeah, I can, I can let Michelle talk more about the strategy on how we did customer acquisition. But then I'll also address your question on like where we are in terms of growth. But I think it will be good to give context on all the hard work the team has done in terms of getting to where we are today. Yeah, exactly. Like what Kevin said, when we started, people didn't even know what pet insurance was. Um, if you look at the search terms of pet insurance, like back in like 2020 or even 20, like early 2021 before OEN existed, I think maybe there were like 100 searches a year. Wow. Like not doesn't even exist. People don't know what it means. And now I think we... 10,000 a month. Yeah, like 10,000 searches yeah. about pet insurance and mostly OEM pet insurance. There are more month. people searching about pet insurance now than critical, critical illness for humans. Now that's fascinating. I want to come back to that first 100 customers thing because on one part, it sounds great because right? your first 100 customers are going to enjoy that. But on the other side, it sounds like it's expensive customer acquisition. Has that paid off? Yeah, I can get into those details. So uh, when we acquired them, obviously our job didn't end at getting them signed up. Mm -hmm. We needed to make sure that our claims process was so magical that they feel like, oh my God, I've never had such a great insurance experience before. Great customer experience and insurance just don't go hand in hand. And we want to change that. In fact, people are now saying, you know, I wish my human insurance was as great as OEN. Uh, and to us, that's the secret sauce, right? Uh, the secret sauce is providing the best customer experience. And we don't just say that. Um, and to us, it's all about caring for their, not just for them, but for their pets. And that's very important. Um, pet insurance is a very, very emotional product. Um, so when we talk about customer acquisition, we needed to look at it from top funnel, medium funnel, bottom funnel, right? Uh, when it comes to creating uh, uh content, we, what we realized was that we can't just talk about pet insurance. When it comes to pet insurance, we need to talk about everything else encompassing pet care. So if you, if you, today, if you Google anything about pet, you will find us in the first page for most <laughs> categories, like vets near me, yeah. uh, best cat food, best dog food. Best cat toy, pet, best boarding, Correct. best pet cafes. So we've written probably about 200, 200 over articles, and we were doing this on a weekly basis. And uh, what you realize is that people are learning about us through these contents. And we, we became uh, sort of, you know, top of mind for these people. But of course, there's still work to be done on the medium funnel. Like, what do we need to do to tell them that, okay, now that you are looking for a, for a pet, your pet may just have gotten a common flu. Did you know that you can actually claim for this? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's when we put in content about pet insurance and we educate them. Uh, Michelle runs an amazing email marketing program. And what that does is that we send interesting case studies, contents, we call it drip campaigns, uh, where, uh, uh, you know, the minute people have uh, left us their contact details, they'll get a series of great email. Great. <laughs> and some might call it spam, but it's not, I can assure you, um, because these are carefully crafted content to let you learn about insurance. Because the alternative will be to hire 
you know, mini agents to go out there and talk to people about it. But we don't like that because it's not doesn't keep the message consistent. So uh, uh, on top of that, we also did some paid marketing because that's the fastest way for us to get to a certain level of traction. But what's important to note here is that we're very, very mindful about what we spend on customers. Um, and we want to make sure that the acquisition cost doesn't exceed uh, what we're getting from our customer in the first year, right? And then uh, if, you, if you look at pet insurance, the average lifespan of a, of a cat or a dog, I mean, depending on your breed, ranges up to 8 to 12 years, right? And we can insure pets up to 13 years old. The biggest pet insurance in the U.S. has a retention years of around six years, right? So if you look at that, we're acquiring the customer in the first year. As long as we can make sure that we can maintain the renewal, and right now, majority of our customers renew with us, the, the, the income that we're getting after those, uh, after those first years will be purely, you know, quote unquote, from a marketing term profit, right? So the job is just to make sure that we continue to retain them. And who wouldn't want to retain their, who wouldn't want to renew their policies when their pets are getting older and older because that's when you need it the most. So I think that, that has given us confidence that we can build this into a sustainable business. In fact, today, the number of the, the value of protection that we're offering now is about 200 million ringgit. So in effect, touch wood, if all our pets had issues and they have to maximize all their claim, we will be paying out 200 million worth of claims reimbursement. Um, but of course, that's the worst case scenario. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what has gotten into the, the way we think about growth, the way we think about customer acquisition and also retention. So just back to the envelope math here, 200 million, let's assume that all of them took the plans with 8,000 ringgit annual limit. That's a rough customer base here. We're talking about a policy base of around 25,000. Uh, roughly speaking, again, if you can't confirm the numbers, don't worry about it. <laughs> this is just back yeah, of the envelope math here. Yeah. I've been speaking with Kevin Hong and Michelle Chin, co-founders of digital pet insurance player Oyan. Up next, Oyan's revenue growth and potential choke points in their growth ambitions. We'll be back after the news bulletin, so keep it here to open for business on BFM 89.9. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison, and this morning I've been speaking with Kevin Hong and Michelle Chin, the co-founders of pet insurance platform Oyen. A few minutes ago, we were talking about Oyen's growth, customer acquisition, and customer retention. Kevin, Michelle, I'd like to follow up on that a little bit more. Traditionally, agents have been a key channel for insurance players. Given your digital nature, um, what have been the best performing channels on your end? Honestly, it depends on what stage of the business we were in. So when we mm -hmm. started, as I've mentioned, there's no one knew about pet insurance. So there was no way for us to do um, like content that scaled to everyone quickly. And even if we did like social media, we probably had 10 followers. So when we started, when new, no one knew about us, it had to be paid marketing. People learned about us on Facebook. They learned about us on Instagram. And slowly as we built more people coming to a website and becoming leads, then we could start running the email drip campaigns. Um, so today, I think the email drip campaigns do work really, really well because we write very unique emails. Some of the emails do extremely well, like up to like 70% open rates. Um, because they're super fun. Like yeah. we had this email that felt like your cat, cat was, was calling, calling you. you. <laughs> <laughs> and we showed like a little gif of a cat, like, you know, whooping his face on the phone. Um, and that did very, very well. And people love reading our emails because it's not just about sales. It's not just about telling you to buy pet insurance. We actually share a lot of interesting information about pet care with our pet owners. So that's one. But of course, 
where you found out or you finally decided to buy um, OEM Pet Insurance was at like a fair. That's true. Yeah, so we started doing fairs back in April last year. We actually didn't even think that it would be something because we always thought, let's be digital. Let's do everything digitally from emails to like social media to paid marketing. But we had an opportunity to have a booth because they didn't have enough vendors. So we went and it was an amazing experience. People came up to talk to us. They came up to say, I want to buy your insurance now. And since then, we signed up for all the pet fairs in 2022. And we did like nine of them from April to December. On the months where we have expos, um, compared to our normal conversion rates, it's actually three times more um, compared to like normal digital times. So expos work really well, but you can't do them every day. Mm-hmm. Neither can you do them every week because they don't exist so often and you will burn out from doing them because it's so tiring talking to people. But I think insurance still needs a personal touch and being at the exhibitions, being at the fairs, people get to talk to us. When they talk to us, they listen to us, talk to them. Um, it creates a lot of trust and that's what the basis of insurance is all about. So that has worked fantastically well for us too. Mm. That's really interesting because and, uh, and from anecdotal evidence, I can also say full disclosure that I ended up buying, as uh, Michelle pointed out, <laughs> uh, OEM Pet Insurance at a fair. And I had, I've, I've read your newsletters, I've seen your, uh, your ads on Instagram. But ultimately that conversion at the end of the day, sometimes having a person tell you, it makes it, easier to get or there's a bit more assurance in that situation so that marriage between digital and having some human element is important Um, I guess that could be the last part of that journey right to help convert the people who are unsure who maybe didn't have word of mouth to kind of push them to do it uh, so that's very interesting. And if we look on aggregate here, because uh, I know, uh, Kevin, you alluded to basically the customer acquisition cost being worthwhile in the longer term. But in terms of the numbers, uh, are there any numbers that you can share with us here in terms of how much it costs to acquire a customer versus that estimated lifetime value? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we don't share the, the exact customer acquisition costs, but from a lifetime value perspective, uh, you know, what we call, I mean, these are a bit jargon, but like uh, net LTV, long term lifetime value to CAC, uh, we're at a pretty good ratio, the right? The golden ratio. Yeah, the golden <laughs> ratio. Uh, so it's in a healthy ratio, and we think that uh, th- those are pretty impressive numbers, even to our investors. Um, and and even during expos, we we, we put out some, quite amount of money for for these events, right? And but we think that um, the value is not just in in the in the numbers, obviously. But if you think about it, um, our team comes to this expo and and they meet their customers. I mean, we talk about startup. The thing that people always always forget is that they forget to talk to their customers and meet their customers. So the value that brings for you know our designer, like and fun fact, our designer is like one of the top salesperson in at our expos. team at exhibitions uh, because he just loves talking about it so I much. You you bought from our designer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So people are like, are you an agent of OEMs? I no no no. I'm a designer here, and people don't believe him, right? But he he literally built the website, and you can imagine the the kind of insight he gets from talking to customers and then turning it into design. Design, uh, it's super, super valuable, um, and uh, you know, and, and for us, uh, we think that uh, these these events are very helpful to to build trust, and and we get existing customers who are also coming to us and meeting us for the first time, uh, and and just to have that human connection, and and we we took so much learning from these events, and we build it into our sales process as well. So we have internally people who talk to our leads, uh, call customers up just to help them out in the process because sometimes they just need to hear someone's voice. Uh, and that was the biggest lesson from us for us last year is that no matter how beautiful your website is, nothing will replace that one call or that one conversation with our customers. Let's take a look at 
growth going forward, right? Uh, so we talked a bit about the customer side of things, but what kind of revenue growth have you guys seen since starting in April 2021? Yeah, so uh, we just had our numbers for 2022. So compared to the previous year, we had a, about 6x growth, right? Uh, so so that's that's been pretty, pretty impressive uh, for a very young company and young business. And we're not even scratching the surface here, right? Like there are more than 2 million pets in Malaysia. Just, that's just by estimate. Um, and we're barely doing 1% of that, right? So, so if you look at the growth, uh, uh, the, the, the gaps, the penetration rate that we can go for, um, you know, we, we can do much more than that. I think in the UK, penetration rate for pet insurance is about 40%. Uh, uh, and in, in Scandinavia, that number is something like 60%, 70%. So um, that's, that's exciting for us. If we can continue to build good service, uh, we can most definitely you know, grow, grow our base. And as you know, with insurance, the most important thing about the business, the portfolio, is the pool. Without a pool, we wouldn't have enough to sub, sort of reimburse and subsidize the, the cost of uh, vet bills. And, and with the technology that we've built, I think we're excited to see how we can scale the experience for everybody. Now, at present, I believe that while there is some automation, your claims processing is still, there's still manual elements to it, right? Especially uh, on the vet side in terms of responding to the queries. Will this be a choke point to scaling the business and how are you responding to that? So some of the automations that we've built after, you know, learning through a manual process includes even the outreach to vets today is already automated, but sometimes they need follow-ups. Um, so I think there are a lot of small pockets of opportunity where we can use um, to build automation. But with that said, claims is a very personal um, experience. So we treat every single claim individually and uniquely. We don't draw from... We don't draw too much from historical um, experience or historical claims data in order to determine whether this claim is going to be approved or successful. Um, so that's why there's a bit more like human element in that. Um, but Kevin can share more about how we are working together with our insurance partner, MSIG, in order to help speed up the processes here. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you have to understand how claims work um, to, and to put some context into it. You know, the, 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 the way we look into claim uh, needs to balance a few factors. Number one is, of course, the, the speed. But the second thing is also the accuracy. Um, if claims are being paid out without proper due diligence or without proper checking, the claims cost will go up and everyone's premium will go up. Right? I think at the end of the day, uh, both the insurers and us uh, are just trying to find that right balance. And, uh, you know, uh, we've already done a lot in terms of expectation management with our customers because at the end of the day, a successful claims team is when your customers know well what is covered and what's not. Right. So a lot of insurance experience is poor because when they purchase a plan from an agent, they're not properly educated. Right. So to them, they think, oh, I can claim for everything. But what we've done is already to uh, filter out the things that are not claimable. And the customers themselves will say, oh, actually, don't don't look at this bill because uh, I know this is not claimable. Right. And you don't really get that often for other insurance products. Right? People will just want to squeeze the most out of the insurance uh, company. So uh, and, and in terms of submissions, we've designed like a beautiful form or rather a beautiful step to educate people to submit claim. Um, and, and I think this is the part where Malaysia as a whole are not that not there yet in terms of how do we submit claim. They always Even think about insurance education. Yeah, insurance okay. education is really low. They just say, oh, I just let my agent handle everything. So, I mean, it's a fine balance because sometimes we may not know what had happened to your pet. 
and we can't provide those information. Uh, so it's educating them to submit the, the bills. And today, on average, depending on where, which customer and how complete the documentation is, but when the documentation is complete, it takes about probably two to three weeks for us to you know, settle a claim. And uh, if you compare that to your other insurance product, sometimes you have to write in an email or you fill up a physical form. Like those are the old way of doing claims. But what we've built with our product now is to simplify it, manage expectation. Um, and and the most provide updates as well. And provide updates, right? Like you have a dashboard where you can track like what's the process and you can always reach out to us to check in on us. Um, but in terms of um, managing the volume, of course, when our business grows, our claims volume will go up, right? So we are working with our insurance partner to see like how can we automate a lot of these processes. And we are also looking at ways to um, you know, include the way claims AI is being done, introducing OCR technology to read receipts, uh, and also to just, if the claim is rejected, let's just tell the customer upfront. Uh, on why the claim is rejected and doing all this in an automated way rather than having too much human involvement. 6X growth is great, but what are they going to do to keep that going? Maybe tap the brand in different ways? We'll dive into that in a little bit. Keep it here to Open for Business on BFM 89.9. Bias Free Media. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. You're now listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison, and this morning I've been speaking with the co-founders of Oyen, CEO Kevin Hong, and COO Michelle Chin. So Oyen saw 6x revenue growth in 2022. Let's talk about the strategy to continue that growth. You introduced a preventive care product last year. Are you looking into more non-insurance products, maybe to leverage the brand to develop healthy pet foods, pet wellness, and maybe even pet development tools and the like? So with insurance, the, the beautiful thing about being an insurance business is that you're, you're getting data. Um, we literally have vet bills from the entire Malaysia and we know exactly how much an illness will cost on average, right? Uh, and in fact, what can you do to prevent it? So uh, the reason why we launched Preventive, so Preventive is basically a rider. So the rider uh, will allow customers to also claim for things like vaccination, uh, and also like your checkups that are not covered by insurance, right? Because these are what we call preventive treatments. And insurance, you, you don't really claim for that. Uh, you only claim for something that's unexpected. So we provided that to our customers because they've also asked for us. They said, you know, I just want to have everything in OEN. I just want to keep a record with OEN, reminder uh, from OEN, uh, and, uh, and have everything there. So we saw that as a revenue op- add-on opportunity. And this isn't an insurance product. It's a wellness subscription product. Uh, in fact, we also have a members benefit program where people can also get discounts and benefits from pet products. So we have pet foods there, pet boarding, clothing accessories. Clothing accessories. <laughs> so these are benefits that we are already offering, Roshan, in case you have not seen it. Uh, you can go ahead and claim for those, for those deals. And we bring on board local brands, uh, people who are, you know, small, medium businesses to, to also support them because we don't just want to support the big brands. Um, and uh, that also enable us to provide, you know, to enable the community and, and also to, yeah, to have to have pet parents experience these other uh, products from them. So that's that's from a sort of a pet wellness uh, uh, side of things. Um, but we've also been exploring and looking into like what else can we what, can, what else can we build upon the infrastructure that we've built? Remember, it's not easy to build an insurance business, right? It requires like heavy infrastructure building. Uh, technology investments, 
uh, and uh, you know how you do policy management renewal like these things take time to build and cost a lot of money um, and uh, we want to see how else we can leverage on this platform and basically we want to go back to our customers uh, what are our customers telling us uh, you know we have this um, uh, customer who, who has been telling us like you know uh, I, I just I just hope that human insurance can be half as good as Oyen's pet insurance experience. So looking into that as well? Potentially, right? Like it's just something that we've been exploring um, because, uh, you know, it, it's everything that we do from underwriting, uh, claims. Uh, claims, processing, renewals, acquiring customers. acquiring customers, the marketing, the engagement side of things. Those are quite similar when you look at other insurance products. Now, the differentiation is that the different thing now is that we have to come up with a differentiation. So to us, the most important thing is how do we keep our existing pet owners in mind? Like what are the benefits that we can offer them? What are their pain points and other insurance that may or may not be applicable to their pets also? Right. So I think those are just things that we're exploring at the moment. Um, and we have more to share later this year. If you do invite us to the next interview. <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot to talk about that, but I also have to be conscious of time, right? Because we don't have all the time in the world, although I'd love to explore all these different topics. Malaysia, the first market, you haven't gone overseas just yet, but I know there are aspirations to do so. At what point as a business will you decide that, okay, we're ready to go overseas? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think geography expansion when it comes to startup uh, and, and like scaling fast, moving fast, was a thing of pre-pandemic or maybe like, you know, pre current tech world environment. Mm -hmm. I think those were the times of like fast growth, like let's just go as fast as we can, as many countries as possible. Uh, for us, we, we, we've just been more, uh, I guess, focused on the first market and making sure that the first market is very successful. Uh, entering a new market introduces many other risks, right? Uh, risk factors, team, market, regulation. Uh, I think we're, 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 we just want to make sure that we build Malaysia to a point where we're confident uh, to look at another market. And also when it comes to the economy, like this is not the best time yeah. to, to look at it. It costs a lot of money. So I think we don't want to kind of spread ourselves too thin. Uh, so in the meantime, the focus is still Malaysia until until the time comes or the opportunity presents itself. It could be a partner. It could be an investor. Uh, we we kind of want to make sure that we build a strong foundation here in Malaysia first. Now, as you rightly noted, right, economic climate is a big uh, concern right now. And the name of the game is no longer about entirely about growth. Profitability is back in focus. Is the Oyen business model profitable at this juncture? Um, so when it comes to profitability, of course, we're a one and a half year old business. Um, the focus now has still been building the infrastructure, building the team. Uh, and, uh, you know, right now we're still focusing on that part, like the investments and the growth. Uh, in terms of cash flow, um, we did, did we did have a fundraising pre-seed fundraising round uh, sometime in June of 2021, uh, and uh, subsequent to that, we did have some also investments, although we haven't fully disclosed that yet. Um, but I think uh, what what where we are right now, uh, we're pretty confident for the next year and a half to two years, right? I, I think uh, we we have enough cash flow to weather the storms in the next one to two years. Uh, you know, we, we internally, Michelle and I always think about the worst case scenarios. We have different financial projections of like... like default alive. We call it default alive. <laughs> I think you must know this term from YC. Um, but our investors are like, yeah, think of the worst case scenario. So we did all our projections of worst case scenarios. So even with that in mind, we have enough, um, you know, cash flow to, to weather the next couple of years. 
Um, when it comes to profitability, like I said, we were very mindful about how we spend on our business. When it comes to acquisition costs, we literally track everything. We track what we spend on offline campaigns, online campaigns, content, uh, referral uh, amount. Uh, so these are things that we're very, very mindful of. Um, and so, uh, and we, we, we want to build a sustainable business. Like it's no longer about burn at all costs. Now it's about, okay, let's measure the acquisition costs and the lifetime value. And even if we go into new categories, we also want to make sure that we measure them. So with that in mind then, um, you raised uh, $420,000 in, uh, in uh, mid-2021, um, still working out, still growing the business. What kind of runway do you have with the current funding or the, from the previous funding rounds? Um, so like I said, we, we are still pretty good uh, in the next two years, right? Uh, depending on how we want to invest or how we want to spend. Like there's the aggressive number and then there's the conservative <laughs> number. There's the default alive number. And then there's the default alive number. But, you know, we, we are comfortable with the number in our bank account. Um, definitely for this year is, is not an issue. Uh, it's just about moving into the following year. Like, do we need a raise? Um, we, we will then look at what is the story behind the race, right? I think right now it's finding those proof points and the story for a meaningful race. Mm, so no tangible plans to raise just yet from what I'm gathering here, but it's comfortable with the amount of money you have. Are investors comfortable with the current environment uh, or are they starting to, you know, prioritize profitability a little bit more now? I think for our stage, it's a bit too early. Mm. Like if you were a Series C company or Series D, sure. But I think a lot of our investors... They're still on board with the long-term journey. Yes. That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. Let's wrap up this conversation with a bit about the competition, right? Because um, like I said, other players are probably going to come in. In fact, uh, someone recent, uh, recently interviewed Sanang Insurance. They've talked to me. Uh, they talked to me about entering the pet insurance space later this year. Uh, right now, it's a platform. You're co-creating products with insurers. Uh, what's going to prevent you from getting commoditized and uh, seeing margin compression, essentially? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't see ourselves as being a like a platform or a marketplace. Um, you know, we only have one insurer on board. Uh, we don't intend to put other pet insurance product. In fact, this insurance product is co-created. So we own the policy essentially design uh, or, or you know, co-created it with our underwriter. Uh, and you won't see this product anywhere else. Um, and I think the, the differentiator for us is that, number one, uh, when you look at service, right? Like these platforms are, I don't know, but they are li unlikely to provide service from a claim standpoint or a sign-up standpoint to customer. Um, and, uh, but for us, like that's our main thing. We want to provide the best customer service we can in the insurance space. Like no one has claimed that yet. No one can say that, oh, um, you know, this insurance company has such an amazing experience. The same way as people say, uh, people talk about Zappos or the, 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 the same way that people talk about great uh, brands like Amex with uh, great customer service, right? So that's going to be our differentiator. Um, when you talk about claims experience, uh, we have our secret sauce of how do we reject the claim? Roshan, I hope I don't have to reject the claim. <laughs> but if you do, you will leave feeling like, okay, OEN has done their best. Uh, in fact, they've also given me something even though they can't pay for my claim, we know it's not their fault. It's MSRG's uh, assessment ultimately, and it's also the circumstance. But they communicated in a way that made me feel human, right? I think no one has, no one has even attempted to do that because it's so difficult. Um, and, and we have our own secret sauce of training our team to handle communications like these. And I don't think platforms will go to great lengths to build that, right? And they don't, um, I mean, the, the connection of customer service and insurance is very difficult to bridge. The other thing that we want to make sure that we build is strong partnerships with our vets. Um, you know, vets are an essential part of our business, from, both from a you know, distribution standpoint uh, and also from a claim standpoint. 
uh, you know, we want to make sure that we build deep roots with them uh, so that, you know, essentially it will become our moat, right? And if someone else tries to offer a new product, we've already built this uh, network or this relationship with them and the switching costs will be very high. Um, so for us, it's all about, you know, that relationship with vets and also continue to provide the best customer service. Kevin, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. I've been speaking with the co-founders of digital pet insurance player, Oyan, CEO, Kevin Hong, and COO, Michelle Chin. And you've been listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan for BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app. 